for Rosh Hashanah. Uh, because, you know, that's the learning for this week. Um, and uh, very often we, we just listen to it and... Uh, you know, it's like, kind of like the Parashat HaShavua, and from it, well, please God, get many lessons um, regarding what, our, an approach to how we should think about Rosh Hashanah, at least to a certain degree. Because obviously the purpose of, lay, of the laning is to give a, um, to frame somewhat what the, um, what the day is about. So let's have a look at that. So, so if you look at the, the laning of Rosh Hashanah, it really comes from uh, the... The story of where of of Sarah's giving birth to Yitzchak. So Sarah, the the, the, the Torah says, starts Hashem pakad Sarah kasheamar that Hashem pakad. Pakad is a is a is a word that we translate as remember. Um, it kind of means remember with a with an action associated with it. So Hashem pakad Sarah kasheamar. Hashem remembered Sarah. He did, took an action to what he had said he was going to do with her. And he did to Sarah what he said. What did he say he would do? He said that Sarah would have a child. Now, the um, Rashi picks up and he wants to understand how come this, this story comes at this point in time. And that's really an important thing for us to understand. And he says that the reason is um, because it's coming to teach us something important. The story before this story is the story where Sarah goes... Um, with Avram to the house of of uh, of, Elimelech, of Avimelech, Avimelech um, thinks would like to take her as his wife, and we know that it doesn't work uh, because Avram eventually reveals what is going on, and um, what what had happened is that uh, as a as a as a punishment, one of the punishments for Avimelech taking uh, Sarah in in uh, and, and uh, not giving her back to Avram as he wanted initially was that. Um, that they were unable to to um, to have any children, and none of the women in that area were able to have any children. But the p- pasuk says, "Why is that?" That the reason why he did it is because out of Sarah because of because of Sarah, the uh, the wife of um, uh, the wife of Avram. Um, and therefore, and Avram davened to Hakadosh Baruch and Hashem healed them so that their wombs were fine and they could now have children. So Rashi then therefore notes at this point in time where it says, "Why is it that this pasuk is brought here?" And he says the reason is because anybody who davens for mercy. On his friend, and that friend needs the same thing. The person who davened would be uh, would be answered first before the friend. It says that Avram davened uh, for Avimelech, and uh, then it says that uh, that Hashem remembered Sarah. What does it mean? It means that he actually before. Avimelech and all of the, the women in his, uh, well, all the his wife and the women in that area, before they were healed to have children, already Sarah was pregnant with Yitzchak. So what's important here, what I think is important, is this whole idea of that anybody who davens um, and asks for compassion, Rachamim, for, for his friend, and they need the same thing, then he gets answered first. So it's quite an amazing idea because uh, normally we, um, we don't really know what everybody needs. 
We may know of some things that people need and we daven for that. But this year, as we daven and we, we speak about mi mi amut, all those things that are very frightening in the Unatana Tokif, I think that the, um, the, the framework of that this year is so much bigger and so much more, so much more profound is that we are davening for everybody. And because we are davening for everybody, we ask HaKadosh Baruch Hu to move from the Kisei HaKavot, from the Kisei HaDin, to the Kisei HaRachamim, from the, the throne of, of judgment, to the throne of compassion, on behalf of the whole world. And I think that that has an enormous amount of um, impact on, on our tefillot. It certainly has an amount, enormous amount of impact on us as people, that we understand what, with clarity, I think that we haven't really understood before what the whole world needs and what people around us need in a profound way. So I think there's just something to bear in mind um, in that. So we know the story. Um, Sarah, has, um, Sarah has Yitzchak. Uh, she's, uh, she, she's old. They have the son. She, she, he has a bris when he's eight, eight days old. And that's how the whole story unfolds itself out. And, um, and everything is very nice. Except if you go to Pasuk number 9 of the, uh, of, the, of the story, Pasuk number 9 takes a complete deviation. After everybody being happy, after all the wonderful things that happened with the children, the Torah says, We know that just before this whole story with Yitzchak, Sarah had given her, uh, her maidservant to Avraham, Hagar, um, in order to have the child who we know as Ishmael. So there's Yishmael who is the son. He's the eldest son, uh, the only son until that point from Hagar the Mitzrit. And uh, it's not really, qu- not really clear what the relationship was with Abraham and Yishmael at this point. We have, no, we have no clarity. But what Sarah sees, and it's interesting that Sarah sees it, um, because it also just, I mean, on a, just a, uh, on a level, we see the same thing with Rivka. Rivka sees what's going on with Esav and Yitzchak, um, sorry, with, with Esav and Yaakov, um, Sarah sees what's going on with Yishmael, but Avram doesn't see it. Um, and maybe it's just because sometimes the, the fathers are blind, or maybe it's just because a woman has a, has a deeper insight into what's going on than a man does, which I think the, the latter may be more true. But Tera Sarah ben Agara Mitzvah, she sees, Sarah sees, Ben Hagar the, the the son of Hagar the Mitzvah. Now, in those words, you can already see how Sarah sees the child. She doesn't see him as Yishmael, the son of Abraham, but rather she sees him as the son of Hagar the Mitzvah. Hagar, the Egyptian slave woman, right, uh, who's her maidservant. Um, she, we know that she, she came from royal stock, but she's a maidservant now. And that's how Sarah always sees her. And what does she see? Asher Yaldal Avram, she was born to Avram. No problem with that. Definitely Avram's son, Mitzachek. She sees him being Mitzachek. Now, it's an amazing thing because that concept of Mitzachek is exactly connected to what? To the name Yitzchak. And earlier on, it said, Vatomesh Sarat Elohim. Hashem's brought me laughter. Everyone who has will laugh at me. She was so happy that, 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 that this word of tzachak is such a positive word. But then it, the word tzachak, where we see that there's mitzachak, becomes a negative word. And, and I think that that's um, very much what Chazal, what Chazal are trying to teach us on Rosh Hashanah as well. That we, we certain things, there's a, there's a level where it's great. And there's a level where it, where it, deg- it degenerates into something that is negative. And that is always, I think, the, um, 
the balance that we have to be careful, especially on a yontif um, like Rosh Hashanah, where of course it's yontif and we, re- we, we wear our clothes that we're supposed to wear and we, uh, we have beautiful meal. But if you look at the Shulchan Aruch, the Shulchan Aruch says that uh, you're supposed to have a, uh, have a haircut, you're supposed to bathe, um, all in preparation for Yontif. Why? Because according to the way the Mishnah Bura explains it, because we're absolutely sure that we will come out um, clear of any din. We'll have no problem with any judgment on this day. However, however, says uh, the, the, the halacha, is that whilst we are sure that everything will be okay, we'll be vindicated from anything terrible, at the same time, we shouldn't wear our best clothes because that's not appropriate. It's not a time of great joy. There's a balance between Ema and Yira. Now, ladies, I know that there's a whole thing. You're buying your, all your beautiful clothes for Rosh Hashanah. But in actual fact, it shouldn't be Rosh Hashanah, um, the time to wear your newest and finest. That's the time for Sukkot. Sukkot is the time because that's a normal Chag. Rosh Hashanah is Yom Adin. Yom Kippur is Yom Adin. And so, therefore, what seems to come out in Halacha, and I'm not trying to like, like mess anybody's uh, cupboards up, for the for the yontif, but uh, what I am saying is that at the, the the way the halacha presents it is that it's yom adina, so there's a balance, and it's that balance of mitzachek and sochok that uh, I think is being alluded to in his psukim. Sarah sees his mitzach, his mitzachek, he's playing with with uh, with Yitzchak in um uh, in in an inappropriate manner, and uh, and that's what she's worried about. She's worried about, and the way the um, the way um, the the tziv presents it is that uh, she saw that it wasn't clear from the from the behavior of Abraham towards Yishmael and not giving him tochacha and not rebuking him in the appropriate way. She 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 saw from that. Well, it wasn't clear to her exactly what the relationship was. And that's why it says, that it really, really got to her. It really got to her because she could see that Avram was, being, was, was not being 100%, not in integrity, but 100% clear in his relationship with Ishmael, maybe because it was his first son. But so she says to Avram, these words are very, very scary. Get rid of them. Send them out. Gerushin. Gerushin is the same word that is used as, as for divorce. It's the same usage of the word. She's saying, you have to separate yourself totally. Why? Because the son of that maidservant will not inherit you. You know who will? My son, Yitzchak. And, um, and it's clear from that, that this whole thing is, um, is very much about the... Uh, the fact that she sees that there's a challenge, a value challenge that is coming from Ishmael, and the value challenge from Ishmael is going to destroy her relationship with Yitzchak, um, which is such an important thing, I think, as a general rule for us to understand so where, where are the influences that are coming to us and to our kids and to our grandchildren, etc. Um, so then what happens? Now you see Abraham the father. All of a sudden, the Torah says, Abraham, He's very, very upset al odot beno on the um, on the news that he gets regarding excuse me regarding his son. So what what does it actually mean? What is al al odot beno? And so Rashi tells us on the news of his son, which son? 
Rashi says, Sheshama Shiatsa Latarbut Ra'ah. Right? The the the, the Rashi on, on first of all says that Avram was was pained by the fact that he heard that his son Yishmael had gone like kind of off the derech. So obvious question that you have to ask is like, did he not see it before? Had he not did he not notice it? Had it not been I don't know the answer to that. But it's a very important question. It's like, how could, he not, how could he not have seen that whilst he was in his father's house? And it might just be that his father's blinded by the fact that it was his son. Okay, so, so what is Hashem? So, so he doesn't know what to do. He said, don't worry. Don't worry about the, the child. Because whatever Sarah tells you, whatever Torah tells you, that's what you've got to do. But don't worry because I'll also sort out Yishmael. And then this is this, this crazy story that happens. And I think that out of this crazy story, we can learn a lot about what Rosh Hashanah is supposed to be and how we're supposed to engage with the space of Rosh Hashanah. Avram Avinu gets up early in the morning. He's been told by Kodesh Baruch Hu to go and get rid of his child and his, um, his concubine, his wife. And he, um, that word is the same word that is used on the second day laning, because the second day laning is the Akedat um, Yitzchak. And on the second day laning, when after Kodesh Baruch had told Avraham Avinu to go and, uh, and bring uh, Yitzchak as a korban, what happens is it says, Avraham Avraham got early, got up early in the morning again. When Avraham Avinu hears what Akkadosh Baruch Hu wants from him, he gets up early in the morning. There's nothing that stops him from doing the avoda, that from doing the service to Hashem that he needs to do. So he gets up and what does he do? He gets, he gets takes bread and, uh, and a thing of water. And he gives it to Agar. And she... Um, and she puts them on her shoulder, and, and she takes the child, and uh, she sends them out, he sends them out, and they go and they wander around in the, um, in the Midbar, in the desert, around Be'er Sheva. So the question now is, what did he give him? So, he, so Rashi points out, Lechem and Chemat Mai only gave them bread and water. Why didn't you give them some, some cash? You know, maybe they can go find themselves a hotel to stay in. So Rashi says, um, He didn't give them uh, any, any, any money. Because his relationship with his son changed completely. He refused to give him money because he had, he had previously used his position as the, as the son of Avram. It would seem to be why Rashi is presenting it. The position, the wealth, the yichas as the son of Avram, to go, to, to go off the derech. He had used that as a, as, a, as a platform to go off. And so he says, fine, you've you got to go and get down to basics. Get down to the real essence of things, which is bread and water. Where else do we see bread and water? So this is, this is um, Pirka Avot says, Kach shal Torah. This is the way of learning Torah, um, that you must eat bread and drink water. That's it. Um, you must eat your bread with a little bit of salt, and, and drink water. And that was, I think part of what Avram was saying to him is that uh, you need to start revising and reviewing where you are in your life and get down back to basics. Um, and it says that she took, Hagar took this bread and water, put it on her soul, shoulder, and 
also says the most crazy thing, ve'etayelet, and the child. Rashi says it means that she actually took the child and she put the child on her shoulder. Now, this child's not a youngster. He's 13 years old. He's already, uh, he's already like a, 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 a semi So why? And Rashi says the craziest thing. Listen to this. Sheikh Nisa bo Sarah ayin ra'ah. That Sarah gave Yitzchak an ayin And so because she gave him an ayin what happens? Vachazato chama. He had a terrible temperature, had a terrible fever. He could not um, walk on his own. So he has this point where they're coming out. He's old enough to walk on his own, but Sarah gives him an Ein Horah. An Ein What does that even mean? What does it mean that Sarah... So it seems to be Sarah's a very powerful woman, but that she... There was a, some spiritual space that she had to give him. But I think the most important thing for us is we can see that there's an impact of this concept of Ein Hora. You know, we say, Kain Ein Hora, Oi, Bli Ein Hora, and Tu Tu Tu, and all the other things that we, that we do. But we need to understand that it's not a, um, it's not really a joke, the Ein Hora. It's not something that we should be, should not take seriously. Because here you have um, Sarah, here you have Sarah, who gives um, this, this, uh, this child an Ein Hora, and it's, it's, so, it's so impactful to the extent that he can't do anything. That he can't even walk when he's being being sent out of his home. That his mother, who is not necessarily the youngest woman in the world, okay, and not necessarily the strongest woman in the world, she comes from royalty. She has to carry the child on her back, and I think that's just an important thing to us. So what happens? And the water finishes. And what does she do? So the water's finished. She takes the child. And why is it, why, why is the water finished? Rashi says because he was sick. So because he was sick, he drank a lot. And the obvious question that I saw was asked is that surely, surely Avram Avinu would give his, his, um, his, uh, um, this woman, his child, surely would give them enough water to, to, to sustain themselves while they're out there. And, um, so why didn't he? Why didn't he give them enough? So uh, it, it's not clear. It's actually not clear. The, the, the Svarno has a, has, a, has a discussion on that. But the main thing is it would seem to be that the expectation was that they would go, she would go directly home. But she doesn't. She bundles up and down in the Midbar. And then, and then the, the water finishes. And she takes the child and she puts the child under the bushes. She puts the child under the bushes. Why? Because what any other mother would do to, to protect him from the sun in the desert. But then she does something really, really, really strange. She goes. She sits a uh, like a bow shot away, which is quite a, quite a length, a couple of hundred meters away. Why? Kiamra. I'll I don't want to see this child dying. And what does she do? She sits afar from the child and she cries. And the question that I have always had, um, like, how can it be? How can a mother put their child in the shade? I get that. And then go and sit, not hold them while they're, 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 it seems to be they're, uh, they're, they're dying, they're sick. How could she not stay with them all the time? Um, so one of the commentaries says 
that the reason is because they, they, she didn't want her child to hear her crying because the crying would have made it worse. Her, the child hearing her crying um, could have made the child worse. That is something to think about. But it, to me, it seems a bit strange. And I think that's part of, the, of, of, a, of something which should really hit us in deep in our car is how does a mother leave a child who's dying? But what happens is, it says, And she lifts up her own voice and she davens. And now the Torah changes it. And the Torah says, look what happened. Elohim. Hashem heard. Now, who is this Elohim? Because when we speak about HaKadosh Baruch Hu, we speak about HaKadosh Baruch Hu as different names. There's the, the shame Hashem Yud Kei Vav Kei. That is the shame that we know is the shame of Rachamim, the name of Rachamim. And there's the shame Elohim, which is the shame of Din, which is the, the name of, uh, of judgment. So, what we're, try, what we're trying to achieve on Rosh Hashanah is we're trying the way, um, I'll tell you this Vilna Gaon, the Vilna Gaon explains that we're trying to move Hashem from the Kisei Hadin to the Kisei Rachamim, from the chair of, of Din to the chair of Rachamim. We'll get to how we do that. But that, that, that concept of Din and Rachamim, we see something so strange that happens because it says, Vayishma Elohim, i.e. the God of Din, the God of Judgment, hears et kol na'ar, what does he hear? He has the voice of the crying child, not the voice of his mother. He has the voice of the crying child. Elohim And the angel of Elohim, not the angel of Hashem, the angel of Elohim, comes Elagar min Hashemayim. And he says to Yom Elam, what's with you? Ma'alach Agar, Altiri, don't stress. Why? Because Elohim has heard the, the, the voice of the child, Ba'asher Husham. What does this all mean? What is this concept of Ba'asher Husham? And whose voice was heard? So Rashi says, why, does he, why did Hashem heard the voice of the Na'ar? Because, um, that here we learn that, the, that when the sick person davens for themselves, it's more powerful then others who daven for them. That doesn't mean we mushroom daven, and of course we do daven. Um, and uh, one of the things we, we generally ask is for us to, to, to say this year, uh, for Mordechai Moshe ben Freida, and uh, part of that is that our davening for him, our learning Torah for him, and our learning Torah for all the Chole Yisrael. But what is so important is that we can't vicariously expect our Kodesh Baruch Hu to hear tefillah. Tefillah also has to come from us. When we have Torahs, we have to daven for ourselves as well, not only for others. Because without filler, out filler, when we daven for ourselves and for the others, then our davening gets heard. Um, but this still doesn't answer the question of Ishmaelohim. So the Vilna Gaon tells us, and I think this is such an important thing which we don't really understand. We have got the, this concept of Malchiot, Zichronot, and Shofarot. In the, in the Rosh Hashanah davening, we have three sections which we've spoken about before Malchiot, Zichronot and Shofarot that's in the Musaf that Malchiot, Zichronot and Shofarot really is the, is, the, is the structure of Musaf and within each one of those brochas after you say the brocha you blow the shofar again so you blow the shofar after Malchiot you blow the shofar after Zichronot and you blow the shofar after, Zich- after Shofarot that's why you have three blowings of the shofar 
in the middle of the Chazarat Hashat, and then we blow it right at the end. But that's just a minag. That's not a, and this year it will, depending on time, whether or not we're actually going to be able to blow the 40 blasts at the end. But what is important for us to understand is that this concept of the, um, of, of the, of the, of the Malchut, Zichronot, and Shofarot actually, says the Vilna Gaon, actually um, is derived out of the sounds of the Shofar. Because the sound of the Shofar, it says it's Yom Trua, means you have to blow a truer sound. Um, a truer sound, the way the Gemara learns it out from different places, is that you always have a Tekiah, then a Trua, and a Tekiah. That's the truer sound. Okay, so we don't really know what, what, the, what the sound of the trua is. Either it's a wailing sound or it's like a, a whimpering sound. The one is, uh, 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 or other ones, uh, right? Either one of those sounds. Therefore, we put them together and we sound by all of them and everything. So we've got these really three fundamental sounds. Those three fundamental sounds of tekiah, trua, shvarim, those sounds are the sounds that correspond in some way to the three different brochas, says the Vilnagon. But we have to understand that ultimately, the real thing that is being heard on the day of, um, of, uh, of Rosh Hashanah, ultimately, it's not our tefillah. It's ultimately the shofar. The shofar is the thing, explains the Vilna Gaon, that enables HaKadosh Baruch Hu to, to start the process of din. And that's why we say in the Unatana Tokev, it's so unbelievable. We say these things, and I was learning this, and I've learned it for years, and then I just realized. It says, Uva Shofar Gadol Yitzaka, in the Onatana Tokev, we say it every year, that, you know, Uva Shofar Gadol Yitzaka, so you hear the Shofar Gadol, Vachol Damamadaka, Yishama, and a very, very thin sound is heard, the, uh, and there's a whole habab and crazy thing going on. Vayomru, and they say, Hine Yom Hadin. Now it's Yom Hadin. When does Yom Hadin begin? The din begins with the sounding of the shofar. And says the Vilna Gaon, because we sound the shofar in order to start the din, HaKadosh Baruch Hu looks at us and says, that's unbelievable. What an incredible people. Here they are, knowing that they are going to go to din, going to go into judgment, going to go through a process where they have to face up with what really happened during the year. And they are the ones who are initiating it. And since they are the ones who are initiating it, says HaKadosh Baruch Hu, I'm sitting here on my Kisei Hadin. I am going to move. From my kisei hadin, because I see how much they are prepared to, to 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 be accountable for their action, and I'm going to move from my kisei hadin to my kisei harachamim, from the from the chair of judgment to the chair of compassion. But it doesn't mean that Hashem changes his nature in inverted commas at that point in time. He's still the elokim. He's still the judge, but now he's not a judge of din. He's a judge of compassion. And I believe that that is what is going on in this pasuk. Vayishma Elohim et kolanar. Elohim, the God of judgment, hears the voice of this child. And what does he do in hearing the voice of the child? As it said at the end of the pasuk, Ba'asher Husham, where he is at this point in time, HaKadosh Baruch Hu moves from that strict judgment, which is clearly what he was involved in because he has a child is dying, where the mother is crying, everybody's upset, and there needs to be a change. 
and he hears the change of Ba'asher Husham, where the child is now, on the level that he's now, what he's, what he's doing, we'll see what Rashi says there, and he hears that and he moves from the Kisei Hadin to the Kisei HaRachamim, still enrobed in the name Elohim. And that's why Rashi says, Ba'asher Husham, what does it mean? Lafi ma'asim shu achshav hunidon. And this is the key for Rosh Hashanah. How are we judged? We judged according to what we're doing at that point in time, at the time of judgment. Um, the Pachad Yitzchak says, what does that mean? How can you be judged for what you're doing at the time of judgment? You're sitting in shul, you're, uh, you've got your, uh, your finery on, you're, you're terrified of the judgment, so obviously you're going to be on your best behavior. He says, yeah, that's the whole point. Since you're going to be on your best behavior, Kodesh Baruch Hu judges you as he sees you there. And the way Rashi says, and not like he's going to be doing in the future. And he says, because the Malachi Asharit, these are the, the angels that are Hashem, is sitting in Shammai. And the angels, excuse me, and the angels are there. And they are saying, they're saying to our Kodesh Baruch Hu, you need to know. They, these, this, this, child, this man's children are going to kill your children but summer with, um, with thirst because later on when they come out you'll see that they, they, they don't want to give them water later on in the Torah well, you're going to give him a place a, 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 a well to drink from and, he, and Hashem turns to them and he says to them guys you're right in the future it's going to be this Achshav Mahu Right now, right now, is he sitting under that bush? What is he? Tzaddik or Russia? Is he a Tzaddik or a Russia? I'm realized that the angels respond to Hashem and they say, He's a Tzaddik. Amalahem, he says to angels, asav shal achshav ani dano. You have to understand that I will judge him according to his deeds right now. And that's what it means by Asher Husham. And, uh, and that's what it means that, that we judge at that point in time. And so what's so important for us to understand from this is that our process of Rosh Hashanah is a Ba'asher Husham process. We're asking Hashem to move from the Kisei Adin to the Kisei HaRachamim. Why? Because Ba'asher Husham. Because right now we're standing there in shul where people are going to be at home and we are standing there connected to the Rebbeinu Shalala. And if we're doing it with integrity, then there's no reason why Kodesh Baruch Hu can't judge us as tzaddikim. And we know that the Gomorrah tells us that there are three books that are open on Rosh Hashanah. There's the book, there's the book of, the, um, of, the, of, uh, of the tzaddikim, which is the book of Chaim. There's the book of the Rashaim, which is the book of the Matim, of those who are going to pass on, whatever that means. And then there is the space of the Beinonim, this book of those who are in between. And those people, Kodesh Baruch Hu waits until Yom, Yom, uh, Yom Kippur, and then we've got another chance to wait until Sukkot, then we've got another chance to wait until Hashanah Rabbah. Uh, the others uh, even wait a little bit later. There's always Baruch Hashem. Hashem gives us so much, so many chances. But the point is, you've got these things. The book of the Tzaddik and the Rasha open before us. And it's if we are Ba'asher Husham on Rosh Hashanah, Ba'asher Husham as Tzadikim, so then that's we're going to be, please God, written right into that book of Chaim versus the book of Matim. What does Chaim mean? Just to understand that and give it a little bit more, um, to flesh it out a bit. The Natsif tells us that the word Chaim can mean one of two things. It can mean life, you know, you're being alive. Or it can mean an, a, an ability to find 
to get chias, to get, uh, you know, like it's Afrikaans, like chias, right? To get a, 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 a spirit of, of liveliness and upliftment, optimistic. That's really what we want. And where do we get that from? The Pachadit says, Pachadit says it's about attitude. Ba'asher Rusham is about attitude. Where are we at this point in time? Are we able to feel positive? It's not easy. We've all been through a lot. We've all been through, through this lockdown. This year has been very difficult. We've, uh, we've lost friends. We've, we've, we've been through pain of illness with family, friends, whoever it is. But we have to find that space to be able to find the, um, the positivity. And that's why the next Pasuk says, the angel says to him, Kumi says to, says to Hagar, Kumi, get up. Firstly, in order to save your child, you've got to get up. You've got to lift him up. And hold him up with your hands. I will make him a great nation. And then the Torah says the most crazy thing. HaKadosh Baruch Hu Vayifkach means he opened her eyes. And she sees this well of water. She goes, she fills up the, the, the water bottle she's got. And she gives the boy to drink. And Rav, uh, Rav J.J. Shachter said, uh, says, quoting from the Sforna, the Sforna says, what does it mean that Hashem opened her eyes? So she wasn't blind. What do you mean Hashem opened her eyes? She wasn't blind. How come she didn't see it? Because she just didn't look properly. Nothing but that like here in HaKadosh Baruch gave the ability to see there was water there. Whatever it is, we don't know. Maybe there were some little, I don't know, plants around, whatever it is. She sees this thing that she hadn't seen before. How come now she sees this thing that she hadn't seen before? So, um, a while ago, I was listening to Rav Biederman. Rav Biederman's really amazing. This guy is, is, is in uh, Mea Sharim um, and he's just became famous. He's like an amazing man. Beautiful, beautiful Torah. But he says one of the things that, um, that we need to understand that there are these things called the Are Miklat. The Ir Miklat are these cities of refuge. And cities of refuge work that uh, there are three on one side of the Jordan and three on the other side of the Jordan. Uh, so inside Eretz Israel 3 and outside Eretz Israel 3. And the point is that they work in tandem. That as long as, as, long as they, they're all operating, then if a person kills another person inadvertently, he can run there and find refuge in one of those cities. I don't want to go into too much of the details of it. The point is that when Jewish people, when Am Yisrael are on, before they're entering into the land of Israel, they, are, they, they already set up the first three cities of refuge on the one side of the Jordan. Um, but they don't activate them until 14 years later when they've uh, actually uh, conquered the land of Israel. So Rav Biederman asks, why not? And he quotes from the Meshech HaChokhmah. And the Meshech HaChokhmah says the following. And this is so important for us to understand. He says, one of the halachas regarding the Ir Miklat is that if a person goes into the Ir Miklat because he'd killed somebody inadvertently, when he goes into the Ir Miklat, he has to, he can, sorry, he can only come out when the Kohen Gadol dies. Okay? He explains that if they'd activated the first three on the other side of the Jordan before they went into Eretz Israel, part of the conquering of Eretz Israel was, had to be done by Elazar Akoin, Elazar the Kohen Godel at that time. He was going to go do it. Nobody knew how long it would take. Since nobody knew how long it would take, 
if there was a person who was in the Irmiklat um, before they had conquered the land of Israel, he had no hope of coming out because he never knew how long it would take. It could take however long. There was no hope. And says the Meshachachachim, and this is the Untus Teshura, says the Meshachachachma that we, HaKadosh Baruch Hu never gives us a situation that we will find ourselves in without there being some manner of hope. We will always have hope to come out. There is always that need for positivity and it's not easy and sometimes it's much more difficult for others. But that's what the space is. When do we have clarity of vision? We have clarity of vision when we're able to see things that there is a future. The minute her son got sick and she thought he was going to die, she had no clue. She, could, she, was, she, she was all over. She couldn't see the water that was right in front of her. And so that in our lives, what we have to look for, if we are able to maintain a level of positivity, a level of, of knowing that there will be something moving forward, we'll be able to see the water that is around us. But the water is always around us. We just have to have the capacity to see it. And, uh, and that's really what I would like to, um, uh, like to complete, co- conclude with. And that is that we, um, as we go into Rosh Hashanah, we need to go in, whilst this year has been a difficult year, but to go in to a, into Rosh Hashanah with a Vayifkach Elohim with an attitude that HaKadosh Baruch Hu has, will open our eyes and we'll be able to see the hope, the beauty, the love, the warmth of everything around us in addition to the difficulties that we have. Nobody said it wasn't going to be hard for her. She's now on her own. She's still got her child that she still has to look after. But it says, But Hashem was with this child and he grew up and he, and he became a, 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 a hunter with a bow. And she then saw there was a future. And she, t- she finds him a wife. And then it goes forward and the story of Ishmael is then told. Where does it come from? We understand that, we are, that the, the space of where we are at that point in time as we stand before HaKadosh Baruch Hu in Tefillah on Rosh Hashanah, that's the place that we are being judged. And if that's a, pos- a place of positivity, a place of connection, then we, ne- we need to understand that our Kodesh Baruch Hu Vayivkach Elohim Hashem will open up our eyes and we will see the Be'er Mayim, we'll see the Brocha that is around us from which we will be able to fill our own bottles and be able to drink of that Brocha of our Kodesh Baruch Hu. Please God in the new year. I wish everybody, firstly, thank you for joining over, the, over this period of time. And I wish everybody Shana Tova, Matuka, Ksiva Chasima Toiva, everybody should be written for a year of health, of health a year of, um, of, of wealth in every day, in every way, Oshev, Osher, of, of, of Simcha. And please God, we should be able to learn much together and be able to come together as a community, as friends, and to be able to see each other properly. I wish everybody God bless. Have a Shana Tova. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you. 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 Thank